Hi, and thank you for joining us this morning at York Street. If you're tuning in for the very first time, an extra warm welcome to you this morning. My name's Tim, I'm the senior pastor here at the church. And we've been journeying through a series called Our Family Tree. This series is designed to help us understand both how a family works, but also what part we all play. Because we're all part of a family. We all have parents, we'll have grandparents. Some of us have partners, husbands, wives. Some of us have children. But every one of us is a part of God's family because we're all God's children. And as we know, that each and every one of us is very different. And that's a great thing. There's beauty in diversity. But each of us also play our part as one body, the body of Christ. The church has many parts. We're one family, all with different roles to play. And this series has been designed to help us journey specifically through the season that families are facing, both at home, internally, but also in the church. Now, today's message is something that I feel is is really important that we hear, because in these moments of weakness that we all face day to day with the pressures of a COVID world, sometimes we go, how can we be valued When I've just lashed out at my kids, how can I be valued? When I've just acted in the wrong way or I've over-exaggerated, my my emotions have not been proportional to the the reason that they've been instigated because of the fear and anxiety, the way that I treated somebody else, the way that I'm treating myself, the places that my mind is going, how could somebody value me, let alone the way that I just valued somebody else? And so today's message is around our value. And we're going to look in God's Word to see just how much God values you. But before we do that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that today we can come before you knowing that you loved us so deeply that you gave everything for us. I pray this morning as as we go through Scripture that you would reveal to us the way that you see us so that we would feel the value that you have for us and for others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now there's something about value when we look at maybe a family unit of parents and grandparents and uncles and aunties and children, that there's something that really stands out. I've got to say, anytime there's a tragedy that happens within a family, when it happens to a child, it is so much worse than if it happens to an adult. I've got to say that the most, uh, the most difficult funerals I've ever had to do are those of children because there's something in a child and a life that's been cut short. There's something in a child when, when the innocence has been put out. Maybe when it comes to death, there is a hope that's a life that's left to be lived. There's hope, there's innocence that's within a child. There's the, the future there's, you know, compared to somebody who dies in their later years, who has lived a full life, a child hasn't had the opportunity to have those experiences and those joys and those triumphs, the sadness to make the network of friends that others have. In short, there's something about children that Jesus speaks to often in God's word and that we need to take attention because it's Jesus' words. 
But to help us journey through Scripture this morning, I've got someone much more experienced with children than myself, and I'm going to invite Pastor Jenny, our kids and families pastor here at York Street, to share a little bit about what God's Word has to say specifically about children. But before we do that, Jenny, I might just get you to take a step closer. Thank you. Um, we're still... Pastor Jennifer is also <laughs> my sister, so in a COVID world... I'm still allowed to do that <laughs> um, because we're related. <laughs> but um, before we beat each other up, let's pray. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to just pray over Pastor Jennifer this morning. I pray a real anointing on her words. We pray that as she opens up Scripture, that your word would speak to our spirit through your Holy Spirit. Lord, that the word of God would speak to those areas of our life where we need to hear the words of value. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Jim. Thank you. And sorry for punching you. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, as we move deeper into today's message, we're going to be spending some time focusing on what the Bible has to say about children, as Tim said, and what we can learn about them through Scripture. We will also be looking more closely at how Jesus valued children and the impact that that can have on us today. Did you know that the word child and children appears in the Bible 2,003 times? Welcome to count that, but you could just do what I did also and look that up on Google. But it's incredible how many times children are mentioned. As Tim said, there is something about children that grabs our attention and the value placed upon them is clearly shown when we look to scripture. I think of the story of the little boy who shared his fish and loaves and of Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead and also I think of the many times when children were brought to Jesus to be healed and to be blessed. Today we're going to start back in Genesis where we discover that children are part of God's creative plan. Tim shared in our very first week of this series when we looked at our purpose that after creating Adam and Eve, God commanded them to be fruitful. And that's not about fruit baskets, it's about being fruitful. In other words, having children, which we read about in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Children are part of God's original plan, not an afterthought. Everything about creation was good, including God's design for children and families. Continuing in the Old Testament, the importance of God's design for children and how they are to love and worship God is further examined as we look at Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, it tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This instruction to impress the commandment of loving God with heart, soul and strength is echoed in Proverbs 22, when we are told to start children off in the way they should go and even when they are old they will not turn from it. We are to lead them in a way that demonstrates to them how to love and shows them the love of Jesus. We need to know Jesus and to look to Jesus' example and wisdom to be able to do this well, to do this in a way that helps children to form their own identities as they are transformed by the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 127 verse 3, it tells us that children are a heritage 
from the Lord. Offspring are with reward from him. The word heritage meaning special or individual possession. Children are a reward given to us by God to take care of, to stand beside and to guide. And it is in the New Testament that we see Jesus give clear examples of how we are to interact with and treat children with the kindness and love that God designed specifically for them. You might recall that Jesus himself came to earth as a child, and we celebrate this each year at Christmas time. We read in the Gospel accounts about Jesus' childhood, and in Luke 2 verse 40, it describes Jesus as having grown strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God being upon him. No pressure at all, but Mary and Joseph, together with God, raised a pretty incredible child. But it always makes me feel better as a parent to know that just prior to these verses, even Mary and Joseph slipped up when they left Jesus as a 12-year-old at the temple. In Luke 2, verse 41, uh, 43, sorry, it tells us that after the festival of Passover was over, while his parents returned home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Confession time, how many parents out there or aunties, uncles, grandparents have accidentally lost children or left them behind? Yes, there's some hands going up like there was earlier. And I can admit to having done that as well. I have three boys and I remember leaving my youngest once at school after doing a school drop-off. And it was because, you know, you get distracted and you forget what you're doing. And I was having a chat to a teacher and got in my car and put the music on and drove off. And then I thought, oh... This is a bit weird. I don't know what's going... Like, oh, what's missing? And it was my youngest. Poor youngest children. Anyway. Um, when I did get back to the school, I found him in class with his brother. And he was sitting in the classroom learning and listening with the teacher. And I remember the teacher looking at me and saying... Look, with a look that was to say, this happens more often than you may realise. In this case with Jesus, it took Mary and Joseph three days to find him. Can you imagine their panic? I was panicking after a few minutes, but they had literally lost the Son of God. When they did find him, their reaction and relief was probably met by a 12-year-old Jesus saying, of course I'm just in my father's house learning and listening to the teachers. No big deal. Even in this, in Jesus' childhood, we are given an example of the nature of how a child seeks to learn and grow and is desperate to discuss and know everything about God, our Heavenly Father. Moving further into the New Testament, I want now to take a look at some examples of how Jesus treated children. And one of the greatest examples of these is found in Mark 10, verses 13 to 16. And it's called The Little Children and Jesus. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Remember that children during this time didn't have a lot of rights. Children were seen and not heard. The disciples tried to send the children away. In their opinion, Jesus had 
he was too busy and had other things to be doing. We read this again in Matthew 19:14. But Jesus said, "Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these." Jesus showed his disciples how much to lo- he loves children by embracing them and blessing each child individually. The fact that people were bringing children to Jesus also demonstrated that they knew that Jesus came from God. Notice they brought their children to Jesus and God wants us to do everything that we can to bring our children to him too. Not just our own children, but all children. Grandchildren, extended family, classmates, workmates, co-workers and neighbours. Now to break this down further... Jesus tells the disciples to let the little children come and not to hinder or stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to children and unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you will never enter it. It's not often that we see Jesus get angry, but in this case, we can see clearly that children are loved, valued and worthy of Jesus' time. As Jesus himself as a child showed us, children are teachable and so open to spiritual truth. When I was completing my studies last year, my major essay was on the role of the Bible in relation to children and faith. And I asked a group of five and six-year-olds, many of them from this church, what they believed about from the Bible and what their favourite stories were and what those stories meant to them, what the lessons they could learn. And I asked them who Jesus was and if Jesus was important. And they were, without even thinking, able to share with me that, yes, Jesus is super important and that he was born in a stable and he died on the cross and that he died and rose again because he loves us. These five- and six-year-olds were unashamedly able to share with me their faith and beliefs and their interpretation of the Bible as they knew it. But what if they had never experienced Jesus or had access to a Bible, or seen a Bible, or had someone share the love of Jesus with them. If we don't pass on the message of Jesus' love and share our faith and give opportunities for children to share and ask questions of us too, someone else will. All humans are equally important to Jesus, but children, in all they are, in their weakness and vulnerabilities, have so much that they can teach us. They have an openness to the message of Jesus and the gift of salvation. In order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to be childlike. There is so much information about this passage and what it means, but simplifying all this, children are open to learning, they are sincere, trusting, and rely on us to guide them and see them the way God sees us as a father. Jesus wants us to be open to continually learning, seeking, growing, trusting and looking to him. Jesus loves us so much that he gave up his life for us. And sometimes as we grow, we overcomplicate things. If we look at John 3.16, we read that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son to die for us so that we would have everlasting life. As Jesus' followers, as Jesus' disciples, we are meant to be like Jesus. So now I ask, what does any of this have to do with us now? And how does this fit with our value and how we see ourselves? The answer is, we are all children of God. We all began the same way. 
Psalm 139, verses 13 to 14 tells us, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We are part of God's original design. We are gifts. We are blessed. And Jesus wants you to come to him and be embraced by his loving arms. Our role as Jesus' disciples is to share our experiences of what the Holy Spirit has taught us, to listen and to value, love, love and value not just children, but everyone in a way that reflects the everlasting love that Christ has for all of us. It isn't just us helping children and others to grow in the Spirit, but so we may do so ourselves. Romans 8, 14 to 16 tells us, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God or daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So please know that you are so loved. Jesus values you. Be assured that God is our Father and we are his children. His love is strong and secure. Live your life to bring honour and glory to the one who gave his life for you so that you could become a child of God. Share your joy with others, with children, with those around you, all that Jesus has given to you. Thanks, Pastor Jenny, for those incredible words and just for bringing up scripture to us around some of these incredible passages. I wonder what God has spoken to you through those words. When, when you heard those passages read, up, read out to you, when, when you looked into scripture, when you either read those words for yourself, did, it, did, did God say something to you in your spirit? One of the things that I love about the passage in Mark 10 that Pastor Jenny read out was around how Jesus himself valued everybody. But not only did he put those words into effect, he lived them out. The passage in Mark 10 starts saying that the people brought the children to Jesus. The people, it's not just parents. It's grandparents, it's neighbours, it's uncles, it's aunties, it's other people. People brought their children because there was a value. There's something about coming before Jesus. But likewise, as we just heard, that we are all children of God. And while this passage is very much signifying the relationship between God and children, as God's children, we've got to come before Jesus as well. I love the words that... Jesus said to the disciples who obviously valued Jesus deeply but had a different set of values that said, hey, we, we think that Jesus is for the important people and they'd miss the value of children. And in those words, Jesus saying, hey, don't, don't hinder the children, don't stop the children, you know, let them come to me. I wonder what words God would be saying to you in that situation. What is stopping you from coming before Jesus? What are the barriers that Jesus is saying, get rid of those barriers and come before me? 
Get rid of that fear. Get rid of that anxiety. Get rid of that, that practice. Stop listening to that friend. Because that is a barrier between who you are and who I want you to be. You just need to come before me. It doesn't matter who you are. We've got to come before God, don't we? I love that in this passage, God valued those that were bringing the children because he was granting their request. He also valued the children, obviously, but he valued the disciples because he took the moment to say, don't do that, this is why. Let me teach you, let me train you. If you sit at my feet and sit under my teaching, I will show you how to value everybody, wherever they are at. And he shares this incredible passage And then at the very end, in Mark 10, verse 16, then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. And he lived out his words. For some of us, we need to hear the words that as a child of God, you are valued. As a child of God, as one of his children, as a brother or sister in Christ, that God deeply desires to have that relationship with you. And that there may be some things that need to be taken away for you to have that relationship, but as you are right now, as innocent as a child, or even the disciples that were doing the wrong thing in that moment, he still valued them. So if they're valued, then you are valued. God loves you so much that he gave his only son. That's how valued you are. But for some of us, we may be a little bit like the disciples. We may have lost sight of the value that Christ has for everybody. And there may be a group, a people group or or an age group or a demographic that we are maybe judging. Maybe we think they should be seen and not heard. And maybe for us, we need to go, ooh, we need to reassess. I want to give us a challenge this week. The challenge is in the form of a prayer. Would you pray one of two prayers? The first prayer is, God, would you help me to see my value through your eyes? The second challenge is this. God, would you help me to see the value in others through your eyes? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that this week, as we come before you in prayer, that we would be able to see that we are deeply valued. And Lord, in and through that value, may we see the way that you see us, created and formed, knitted together. But likewise, God, may we also see others the way that you created them, with the value that you have for them. So, Lord, whatever prayer it is this week, may we see the value that you have for us or the value that you have for others. May we see them through your eyes and out of obedience with Scripture. As disciples, would we then act with the convictions that are on our hearts? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.